Uh, hello. You're listening to KRUI in Iowa City. 89.7 FM on your radio. KRUI.FM to stream online. Am I on the... Uh, what are the buttons to go on the recording? It's all good, right? The program button? Yeah. To be on. Your mic needs to be on, too. Yeah. That hey. was my bad. Yeah, okay. it's okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, this is... Uh, Usually, I hear IC Radio. My name is Justin Comer. I host a show about local music here on KRUI. But um, we have found ourselves at a very important moment in history, and I felt like... I like that last part. Ooh, yeah. yeah that little guitar <laughs> space ghost. Guitar slide. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, we find ourselves at a very important moment in history, and I felt like I needed to change the... Uh, the approach to today's call an audible live radio program. Like a football quarterback. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's Super Bowl Sunday. Oh, right. Yeah. Football. Oh, yeah. That's today. Yeah, that's Who why this teams? is a very important day. <laughs> it's uh, the Niners and the Chiefs. It should be a good matchup. I think the Chiefs are minor favorites, I think, last I saw. Yeah. You're both, probably alone in this room. And both teams wear okay. red. Both of them wear red. They do that's both true. wear red. And they're both wearing red today. Uh, I think the Chiefs are wearing white. Okay, good. Otherwise, that would be very yeah, embarrassing. It, it would be confusing. hard to tell them apart. Yeah, yeah, that would be a problem. Okay, so there's a, a another reason why this is an important moment. Um, the Iowa caucus is tomorrow night, the third. Yeah. Um, if you're calling in, Are you just a call? give me a moment. <laughs> Let me introduce no, the show. Up. Hold on. <laughs> I haven't said hardly anything yet. Just put them on hold. <laughs> They stopped, it looks like. Oh, okay. Anyway, Coward. today, today, <laughs> instead of your regular I Hear I See Radio programming, we are going to do a crossover episode with my politics podcast, Rock Hard Caucus. So I am joined today by my regular co-host, Evan Jones. Hello. Hello. And uh, this is the first time we've done this show live, yes. like over the airwaves. Yes. Um, usually our show is pretty vulgar. We're pretty mm. free with our profanity and our demands and commands right. to listeners. Well, I'm not the vulgar one, <laughs> so I think we're good. Yeah, Evan's the, the good boy who's always on yes. his best behavior. Yes. But today, we're, we're going to have to keep it clean, and we're going to have to uh, take our commands that we would usually force our listeners to enact and sort <laughs> of... Uh, Veil them as them. suggestions or or just ideas that we're putting out there, you know. Yeah, and I'm keeping a tally. Out. If either of you make any mistakes, <laughs> I'm taking it directly to the director's meeting after this. We are joined today by uh, production director, right? Yes, production director Somehow. of KRUI, Jake. Real <laughs> real name or fake name? Uh, well, it's we're at a crossroads here. <laughs> That's tough. See, I like Jake Jacobs because yeah. it's ridiculous. But if I went with Jake Jones, we could tell everyone I'm Evan's brother. Oh, I didn't even think of that. Oh man, yeah. uh, you are Evan's brother. We then. are this brothers. Is, uh, yeah, this is Jake Jones here, and mm-hmm. you may have heard Jake and I yesterday afternoon here on KRUI. We were interviewing three luminaries. Yeah, three. Uh, Heroes of, yeah. of <laughs> that was a little media. strong. That was a little embarrassing <laughs> after I posted that. But I was like, you know, whatever. Like, if I could have asked them one more question, I would have said, like, um, you know, I've had dreams of this moment. <laughs> so how does it feel knowing that we're all friends now and this is real? How does that make you three feel? <laughs> yeah, uh, three members of the popular podcast Chapo Trap House, and that was a big moment for us. And uh, so Jake is back today. 
This is his first official appearance on Rock Hard Caucus. So welcome to the show, Jake. Thank you so much. I was actually going to message you and ask if I could be on. So it's really great that Perfect. this just worked hey. out and I didn't have to beg. We have not turned down anyone so far. No, you are actually the first Rock Hard Caucus guest that didn't go to high school with us. Oh, really? That is, Yeah, that is actually true. Congrats. Yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> we all did go to high school together, though. We all didn't really talk to each other, right. except for, I guess, me and Chuck. Well, I, I was the favorite of the two brothers, um, and so our parents homeschooled me. Oh, thank you for keeping up with. I the, just got ice bit. cream, watched Animaniacs. That is the life. So the caucus is tomorrow. Uh, Evan, do you plan on caucusing? Um, I will be there in some capacity. <laughs> yeah, in some capacity is, or another. Is there a candidate that you plan to support? Um, I will be actually endorsing and supporting both. Bernie Sanders. Hang on, let me. I got. You may find this hard to believe. (laughs) That's for you. If you've ever listened to our show, (laughs) that's for you right there. Thank you, Uh, Jake. Do you plan on caucusing tomorrow? Uh, Yeah, I'm going to do it. Uh, Who do you plan to support? Uh, I'm going to be caucusing for Bernie Sanders, and you know what? If he gets under fifteen percent, I'm just going to (laughs) leave. I mean, I believe we have uh, someone on the phone. Um, hey, phone person, are you on the air? I am on the air. Hey, we got somebody. Can you guys hear him in your headphones? <laughs> yeah, I can hear him. Yes. Hey, hello. Perfect. It's hello. working perfectly. Uh, caller, you are on the air. What is your first name? Hey, uh, first time, long time. This is Cooper. It's Cooper. Oh. Friend, yeah. our friend. Friend of the pod. <laughs> this is Cooper Harwood. He, uh, so Natalie Harwood is like a core member of the Rock Hard Caucus. Oh, absolutely. And, and Cooper Harwood is her spouse. Yeah, he's made a couple appearances before. Yeah, he's, he's oh. a regular did I meet contributor. Cooper? Uh, did you meet Cooper? Uh, hey, Cooper, did you meet uh, Jake last night? <laughs> no, I didn't meet anyone last I don't night. think so. Okay. Yeah, I don't think you guys have met. But, oh, hey, uh, Cooper. Cooper, this yeah. is Jake here. Hey. Um, hey, good to meet you. He joined me for that Chapo interview yesterday. Yes, I did. I've heard you, Jake. So. <laughs> okay, good, good. <laughs> yeah. So he's heard your voice. Um, Cooper, yeah. a very important question for you. Do you plan on caucusing tomorrow night? For uh, caucusing for what? Um, well, there's a, a caucus tomorrow night. This is the okay. first... Uh, the first time people will be casting votes in the Democratic primary for the nomination for president uh, in Iowa goes oh, the first. Mayor of the United States? Of the United States, that's right. The mayor of the okay, United States. Okay. <laughs> do, you, do you plan on attending the caucus? Yeah, I guess I'll turn up, yeah. Okay, are there any candidates that you feel you would like to support? I have heard good things about Jonathan Delaney. Um, is he still an option? Unfortunately, no. Uh, let me see if I got a... A sound effect here. <laughs> uh, yeah, here we go. Morning zoo. Wow, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no more John Delaney. He dropped out a couple days ago. Oh, uh, um, okay. Well, my second choice was uh, uh, was Senator Bernard Sanders. Oh, okay. Uh, let's see what I got here for that. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, that's all of the listeners in Iowa City clapping for you, Cooper, for your decision. Oh. Thank you, Iowa City. If, if any listeners out there are, have the same answers as us, the applause is also for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to play a uh, public service announcement real quick. Oh, is it already that time? It is. Yeah, yeah we started a that. little late. Uh, here's a quick PSA, and then we'll be back with more Rock Hard Caucus live on KRUI. Hey, how you doing? 
This is Joe Walsh. I'm speaking on behalf of Rad. It's okay to rock and roll, right? But don't drive home drunk. If you're drunk, call me up. I have a limo. I'll come and get you. Service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. All right, we're back. This is uh, Rock Hard Caucus on KRUI. We're doing a crossover episode. So are you going to edit that out when you publish this on your... No. You're no. not going to edit out the PSA? No, should I? No, I don't know. I'm just curious. I wasn't planning Our to. Our podcast I never is a public it. service. So, I mean... You it's... can consider the next hour a public service announcement. Yeah. People need to know. Cooper, you still I couldn't hear what should I or shouldn't I do. Um, no, you're good. Uh, Jake was asking me if I'm going to edit the public service announcement out of the recording of this oh, episode. Oh, you've, you've got to leave it in because I wasn't able to hear it, so I don't know what public oh, service I'm supposed to be doing. I must have... Uh, oh, yeah, it's not on for you. Next time yeah. we do one of those, you'll hear it. <laughs> okay. Can I okay. do my own PSA about how you shouldn't steal... You wouldn't steal a car, so you shouldn't steal movies? Uh, yeah, I think that's fair game. Uh, the, the that was only... it. That was <laughs> Cooper, just so you know, there are different rules since we're doing live radio uh-huh. compared to our usual podcast thing where it's kind of a free-for-all. So while I've okay. got you on the phone, please don't swear and please don't okay. give any commands to the listeners. Don't tell them command. what to do. Define command. Um, a command such as, and I'm directing this at Evan now, a command <laughs> such as... It. Vote for Bernie Sanders. Uh, you, you cannot direct that at the listeners. Oh, I was pointing oh, at Evan okay. when I said it. Right. It was to him only. Yeah. You can't oh, mention okay. how much things cost either. You can't say there's an event tonight and it's free. Right. Absolutely off the table. Mm-hmm. You can't. Oh, which I've run into a lot. Yeah. I think I might my... have messed up earlier because I said the Super Bowl. Oh, I don't think that's a. The big game. Yeah, what? you have to say. The big them. game. <laughs> It's illegal to so I'm sorry if I use a, the trademark Broke term. any laws yeah. or copyrights. Oh, yeah. What do you call it? The big game. Oh. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess it... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, speaking of the caucus, Evan and I are both going to be precinct captains. Oh, yes. thanks for doing that. Of course. Are you, are you volunteering at the caucus at all, Jake? No, I tried, but I didn't get the right... Anyway... I signed the piece of paper. I didn't get any emails. <laughs> I think it's because there are too many volunteers. Which is great. Which yeah, is really good. good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Cooper, uh, Natalie is the precinct captain for your caucus, correct? Yes. I will be a whip, which whip. I still have to figure out what exactly that is before 24 <laughs> <a math> hours. <laughs> no. Yeah, what I've heard is that means you keep track of the numbers. Yeah. You and count you- twice. <laughs> you make sure that count is right, Cooper. Yes. I'm I'm a numbers boy, and I will make sure there's no funny business. You do have an MBA. Did that involve <laughs> numbers in any way? Um, yeah, I have talked about several numbers in my MBA program, um, <laughs> up to triple digits. So I think I've got this. Okay, great. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. think you'll probably go into quadruple digits at the caucus. That would be I wouldn't quite a nice. Yeah. That would be wild <laughs> if they <laughs> centralized the Democratic caucuses and just had one big event and everyone from the entire state went there that would be fun just a show an an actual bernie army (laughs) (laughs) so as our in our role as precinct captains Mm -hmm. um we were given a speech here yeah the campaign gave this to us so you don't write your own speech speech. well here's what i want to (laughs) do 
Um, so there's an opportunity at the caucus for us or somebody, mm-hmm. right, in our group to give a speech in support of our candidate. Yeah, I kind of want the realignment. Yeah, I kind of want to workshop this a little yes. bit. Yes, okay. is, is there a pencil around that I could? As a pen. There's a pen. It's behind the. Okay, yeah, that'd be great. So here, I'm going to read it for you now. This is straight from the campaign. They gave this to me in my precinct captain packet. Here it goes. Tonight, I'm caucusing for Bernie Sanders because I know that when he is in the White House, he will fight for us because he always has. Four years ago, Iowa made America believe that real change is possible. Real change like making health care affordable for everyone and lowering prescription drug prices with Medicare for all. Real change like making big corporations and wealthy people like Donald Trump pay their fair share so we can raise wages, expand Social Security, guarantee equal pay for equal work, and confront climate change. But it's not just the issues. Bernie Sanders is the best candidate to defeat Donald Trump because... Bernie has raised more money than any other candidate without any billionaire donors. Bernie beats Trump in nearly every poll, especially in swing states. Bernie's campaign model is, sorry, Bernie's campaign motto is not me, us. That means that Bernie Sanders believes that the future of America should be decided right here in this room by us, not the wealthy and powerful. So tonight we ask, uh, this is, this is directed at Evan again. Uh, so tonight we ask you to join this movement with us to win the Iowa caucus, defeat Donald Trump, and transform our country. That's the speech that they gave me as kind of a sample yeah. to go off mm-hmm. of. Are uh, you going to read it like that? first draft. No. Okay. Yeah, he's just going to pull out the paper and then... <laughs> In my reading You're going to play a recording yeah. of this. <laughs> People like it when you look at them when you're... <laughs> I'm in grad school, by the way. That's oh. Uh, yeah. That's, oh, that's one of the things they tell you. Yeah, they say you got to look at them. Oh, they like it. <laughs> yeah, and if you can like give a one of these a wink, a wink. You think yeah. that'll help? Yeah, you can't okay. see that, but he's winking. Yeah, <laughs> that is a visual component to this. We discussed mm-hmm. that on Friday a little bit. Yeah, how every time something happens in the room when I'm doing a radio show, I feel like I have to <laughs> explain it verbally. To I mean, that's very considerate of you. <laughs> All right, so do you think there's anything that's missed in this speech? Um, I think it's a pretty good, you know, first rough draft. Okay. Uh, I think it's a little heavy on the logos and maybe a little bit more. I I like the pathos, (laughs) uh, you know, appeal a little bit better. Yeah, I mean, it's like when we're asked to canvas, they say to like bring up like a personal example. Mm -hmm. There's no personal Mm -hmm. example there. Right. Yeah, I think that's because it's just like a generic sample. I mean, that would make sense. They'd have to make up a story for you. That would be really great if there was yeah. a, a personal example. I'll just say that when pre-written. I do my speech, I don't think I'm going to bring up any polling numbers. I don't yeah. think that's really relevant <laughs> to the, the conversation. Yeah, I don't know if that's super convincing. No. Like when you're already there in the room. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this is something that I asked uh, the Chapo guys yesterday. But Evan, why are you personally supporting Bernie Sanders in this election? Um, I think it comes down to values and what I value, and that is like human lives. I think every human life is valuable and deserves dignity, and that um, Bernie Sanders is the only candidate I see who has consistently put people first for his entire political career and hasn't um, gotten rid of his idealism or his convictions in order to advance himself politically. Mm -hmm. 
it was just you know he was always kind of striking his own path and um yeah isn't one of the politicians who's trying to meet people halfway he's the one who is setting the tone and then letting people come to him mm-hmm. and so um yeah i just see my own values reflected in him so nice uh cooper you still with us yeah yep. why would you say you are supporting bernie sanders in this election um i mean definitely agreed with with everything just stated uh I also, this is the first time where I don't feel like I am conceding to, you know, a lesser of two evils type thing. I I actively want to vote for someone for yeah. the first time ever um, <laughs> and don't feel like I'm compromising anything by doing so. And not, um, not to interrupt, but you have been a, a fairly reliable Democratic voter, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I checked the box in 2016 for the, the Democratic candidate. <laughs> That's a good way to put and, it. Uh, yeah, it's uh, your sacred duty. You have to completely fill yeah. in the circle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yes, I'm sorry. Well, that's my vote didn't count because I just I checked it instead of filling. <laughs> so. A lot of people don't know this, but you're supposed to completely fill in. Yeah, there will be no the bubbles at the caucus, page. so that's not something you have to worry about just right. yet. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Cooper, continue. Yeah. You, uh, this is the first time you feel like you're not uh, compromising and just voting for the lesser of two evils. Yeah, and, and I think like also, I mean, it, I take a slightly longer view um, of, I, I think that we've been on a very specific sort of political path for like the last 40 years. And I think that Sanders is the only person who is kind of approaching this with kind of acknowledging a, a longer history of sort of a a rightward drift and I think has a real way of addressing that and kind of getting things back on track. Um, and as much as I like Sanders himself, I think that he is the beginning of a movement wherein as his slogan is, it's not me, us. And, mm-hmm. you know, once he is no longer in power, I think that sort of what he is building can continue without him right. in a way that I, I don't think is necessarily true of a lot of other candidates. Yeah, I think the movement aspect of this campaign is something I definitely want to push harder in my precinct captain speech. Mm-hmm. Because to me, like that's probably the yeah. most relevant yeah. reason mm-hmm. to support Bernie Sanders over any other candidate. Like yeah. no yeah. one else is even touching this. Mm-hmm. The yeah. only way that these like giant proposals are going to become a reality is mm-hmm. breaking the current political system, which can't happen without yeah. direct action from millions of people. Right. It's not going to happen with just like rules being enforced and <laughs> yeah. tweaked properly. <laughs> uh, Jake, what about you? You have uh, any personal reasons for supporting Bernie Sanders? He, yeah, he's the right answer. That's it. It's the most, he's nice. obviously yeah. the correct candidate. No one else even comes close. Yeah. It's, it's just not even an option. That's why if he doesn't reach my delegate count, which I see as an impossibility at this point, <laughs> I'm just going to leave. I have no, yeah. I have no uh, skin in the game anymore. Yeah. You know, I dream for a post-capitalist society and it's just. Yeah. That's also yeah. what I was going to say is that Bernie really kind of sets the example for any of these sorts of movements to even 
coalesce around, you know. Right. And and I just and want we're not alone. Like there's people lot people who do think like us out there. And they may not be people who are politically engaged, but this gives them an outlet for them to, you know, join a movement, like you said. Mm-hmm. And they may not have been reached without a giant volunteer base for a presidential right. candidate. Yeah. No one has probably ever reached out to them and talked to them about politics mm-hmm. yeah. before this. No, for sure. I mean, I'm from Oklahoma and just like, I remember the first time Sanders came and visited Oklahoma city where I grew up. Um, him and Jane did a like event at the local, like big, um, civic center. And that was the first time I had seen someone political who Mm -hmm. I thought represented my ideals Mm -hmm. and like what I thought was right. I just started sobbing, you know, (laughs) it was unbelievable. And even though Wayne Coyne came out and tried to give a speech before them and kind of <laughs> a little Coyne. bit spoiled it, oh man, uh, you know it <laughs> was that guy. And also just being in a room with people where it was like, wow, you know, all these people want me and my family to have health care. All these people want my little mm-hmm. siblings to not have to worry about debt. Yeah, that like, feeling of not being alone anymore. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and that's what Obama basically promised when he was elected. I mean, I. The first caucus I went to was in 2008 mm-hmm. for Obama, and it, you know, I was, I guess, a little bit more naive <laughs> than I am now, which I'm still You're pretty, a lot younger. Naive, yeah. pretty naive. Yeah, but um, <laughs> yeah, it, it felt like things were really going to be different, and then it turned out to be more of the same. And again, like the stuff that Bernie has been talking about his car- entire career has never really been fully represented in like popular culture and in the media. You know, I mean, I guess Obama was for single payer back then, but he, he said, "Yeah, in the campaign, he was." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, real quick, do I know who Wayne Coyne is? He's the lead singer of the Flaming Lips. Oh, got it. Yeah, okay. he's yeah, a nut. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get me started. Like, yeah, he's I, he got lives near my, <laughs> Yeah, he lives near my mom. I like. Oh man, I hear a lot of bad. Yeah. Not a cool guy. Two thousand ten. Two thousand ten. Wayne Coyne. Awesome. Right. Super cool. Like bulletin. Excellent things for the <laughs> community. Robots. Would do like these huge events that raise money for like Oklahoma. It made Oklahoma mm-hmm. City seem cool. And then, mm. yeah. Yeah. Transmissions from the satellite heart. That's a good one. That's an <laughs> earlier one. But yeah, he's been, yeah, definitely downhill the last decade. <laughs> mm, that's too bad. I got to do a weather report real quick. You really don't have to. <laughs> Really? Yeah. I have permission from the production director of KRUI to skip the weather report. Yeah, we really <laughs> just tell this that. This is unprecedented. Yeah, it's really nice radio. out. We really just tell that to... Um, <laughs> All the snow is melting. It's new DJs so that they talk more. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. It kind of gives my show like a certain structure, so I tend That's to That's why we I tend tell to people to it's it. required, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's not. It's not like you're going to get in trouble if you don't say, hey, look outside, All idiots. Right. It's nice. All right, listeners, <laughs> just open your front door. You can figure it out for yourself. It's pretty nice out. It's beautiful. You're not getting any more detailed information than that from me right now. All right. So I feel like in this sample speech, expand Social Security is mm-hmm. something I should maybe emphasize. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's, uh, it depends what your caucus side is, doesn't it? Because yeah. if you're in the IMU. Yeah, I suppose that wouldn't be that well, important. Well, yeah. The, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? In the younger precincts. Yes. Yeah. I do anticipate having. Uh, kind of like a full range of yeah. age groups at mine. Yeah. So I feel like expanding Social Security is something important. Yeah, it should that's be important also to a everybody. good. Uh, yeah, that's no, a big of course. Yeah. Issue that's being used to, you know, 
because Biden has you know consistently talked about cutting Social Security benefits and yes, Bernie, that's the right. Bernie Sanders campaign has been attacking him over it. I'm gonna so take that's advantage a good of, distinction. I'm gonna to take make. advantage of our, us being like live over the air right now. Mm-hmm. If there's anybody listening to this who is a uh, a fan of Joe Biden, <laughs> you should know he has consistently throughout his political career pushed for cutting Social Security benefits. Mm-hmm. Consistently. Like, yeah. every time he's had the opportunity, yeah. that's something he's tried to do. You can look it up. He yeah. bragged about it. Yeah. He was yeah. proud of it because yeah. it's, it means that he can cross the aisle. He can compromise with the, the opposition yeah. right. to achieve horrible effects. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And I'm sure he said a hundred times that he has um, wanted to you know, protect Social Security, but his actions <laughs> do not indicate that that's a serious mm-hmm. Thing. He probably has only said that. The Democrats his... have been trying to do a grand deal with the. I mean, like during Obama's administration, they were trying to make the big deal with the with the GOP to cut entitlements and also, you know, try to raise taxes. Also, but it, it was never going to happen because <laughs> the GOP didn't want to let anything through with Obama's um, Obama's face stamped on it. You know. Mm-hmm. Wait, yeah. what's the good half of that deal? Uh, they wanted to raise taxes on, on the program. rich. <laughs> yeah, I mean, them. they wanted it. Basically, was like a try to uh, attack the deficit deal. Right. To, it's, it's only about oh, the federal budget. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Okay. The thing that the affects, thing that doesn't matter to anyone in the real world. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. Not something any of us should be concerned with. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> All right. Um. Let's see. I'm not doing a great job marking up this this speech. Expand Social Security. I want to emphasize the the movement aspect of this campaign. Uh, what am I missing? I I kind of want to talk about like the future, like what happens yeah. after the election. Yeah. No, the speech did mention 2016, which is is important. But like, mm-hmm. yeah, the you know, um, I think definitely mentioning the future is warrant. I mean, that's important. Yeah. You yeah. know, what happens next? Yeah, it's like a 100 day plan, doesn't he? Yeah, I'm sure he does. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't. I don't know the details of that off the top of my head, but he has stuff planned. I mean, for like one thing is he repeal yeah. every executive order that <laughs> no, Trump has done. Yeah, no, that yeah. was like he came out and said that the other yeah. day. Like everything that affects like every uh, travel visas, yeah. yep. immigration will all be undone. Mm-hmm. Week one, week one, introducing student debt. Yeah. Again. Hey, hey. <laughs> You don't have to acknowledge it. No, hi. I'm taking I'm taking selfies with the guys. Hi, we're FaceTime. <laughs> it's FaceTime. Yeah. No, it was just selfies to use later. To a group selfie. Yeah, a group selfie. Uh, do we want to address that? Oh uh, yeah, it's not a group selfie. It's not. A yeah, selfie so is a singular. If you are an Elizabeth Warren supporter, um, among other things, she is lying to you about the definition of the word selfie. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't bring that up at your caucus location. <laughs> I won't. But, yeah. I, I mean, just in general, anyone who's listening, don't, but, don't folks, use that line. <laughs> if you if someone is taking a photo of you, mm-hmm. a third party, mm-hmm. that is not a selfie. A selfie mm-hmm. means. Uh, someone in the photo has to be holding the camera. Yes, self. Okay, I'm not here to defend line Liz. <laughs> However, why else would it be called a selfie stick? What do you mean? Well, I mean, I feel like if I'm using a selfie stick, it's because I'm with a group of people, and it's hard to take. Oh. No, 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 no. It doesn't, it doesn't matter how many people are in the photo. Uh huh. Somebody in the photo has to be. Yeah, it's not someone else taking a picture. So yeah. The yeah. Subject has to be taking the picture. Yeah, that's still a selfie, but the stuff that's happening at the Elizabeth Warren rallies is 
somebody on her mm-hmm. campaign taking a picture of you. Oh, that is it's right. Not a yeah, selfie. no, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I she mean, she doesn't have a selfie stick. I don't have an issue with taking <laughs> photos with the candidate that you support. Mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with that being a big thing at your rallies, but it's not a selfie. You're lying. <laughs> this is a major. I think issue this is me. a minor nitpick. I think. <laughs> <laughs> it might be a little better to just uh, you know talk about Elizabeth Warren's record of not being very being very squishy on the issues. <laughs> If Elizabeth Warren is willing to lie about selfies, (laughs) what else is she willing to lie about? That's true. Her support for single-payer health care. That is... Yeah, that's that's one. The thing Cooper just said, though, is a classic classic trope in political ads, and I feel like it would work. Yeah. It's worked so many Mm. times before. I mean, but also (laughs) it's like we could use a better example. If Elizabeth Warren is willing to lie about... I'm not going to go any further on that. (laughs) Because there's a couple other ones that are probably bigger. Selfie thing's number one. I'm sorry. (laughs) Well, what what do you take issue with, with Elizabeth Warren? Uh, Well, I I said the healthcare thing. Mm -hmm. And just her just general squishiness and the way that she seems very susceptible to political pressure and will modify her positions in accordance to what's happening around her rather than it's like Cornell West says about some politicians being a thermostat like Bernie who sets the temperature and then some uh, politicians being thermometers who mm. react to the external conditions. I like that metaphor. I like it a lot. Yeah, that's, that's really good. good. Yeah. But yeah, I feel like she's a lot more squishy. Like, And also like when Soleimani was killed, she like you know, it was like changed her she changed her yeah. statement. There's a bunch of examples yeah. of her, you know, just being just doing what's politically convenient in like the very short term. And mm-hmm. it, it seems and it's only hurt her in the long term. And so, yeah, I just don't I don't have faith in her ability to stand up for the main issues that I believe in, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jake, you know, she's oh, uh, oh, sorry, Cooper, you, you go ahead. Yeah, just like on the flip side, I think that is the thing with Sanders is people who don't agree with him still respect his like, mm-hmm. you know, unwavering commitment to his ideas yeah. and like, it, Absolutely. you know, that seems to go a long way with people. Yeah, that's something that I've, I've seen with, I mean, I have conservative family members who I probably wouldn't vote for Bernie over Trump, but mm-hmm. say that they like him. Yeah. You know, which, yeah. I mean, maybe it doesn't have any, <laughs> it doesn't matter if they're not going to vote for him, but still it's like people respect him. Right. Well, the ideals that he's talking about are ideals that are like very commonly represented in American culture and society at large. You know, it's just that, you know, the Democrats messaging has always been, you know, similar to, you know, left wing trying to be left wing, mm-hmm. but then the actual results have shown that it's uh, not the case. And so, I mean, I think Bernie is really the only candidate who is really changing that whole paradigm. Yeah, and that actually makes me think of the uh, the not a Democrat right. argument, <laughs> yeah. Um, which I feel, I feel like anyone who is anyone who is sincerely arguing against Bernie mm-hmm. because he is quote not a Democrat is severely out of touch <laughs> with the American public. Right. If you have like a a strongly positive feeling towards the Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. I don't understand you. Like, right. yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is strange. But yeah, like I said, Bernie represents the ideals that the Democratic Party talks about more than any of them. Just by the virtue that he has consistently been changing or not changing his stance, the way that the rest of the Democrats have, you know, campaigned on one thing and then done 
the polar opposite once they actually get into office. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the conventional wisdom among the media and elected officials is that that's just political reality. Mm-hmm. It's like once you've actually been elected, you have to... right. Compromise everything that you. Everything that you literally being shown that you giving up the game from the very beginning, and I don't see how we've tried this so many times. Mm -hmm. I think we're finally proving like Gore, Kerry. I mean, Obama won because he did bring hope and brought out young people Mm -hmm. and and people of color. And then that was a landslide election. It was a landslide election, and it was because he was a candidate who had enthusiasm and momentum and and people being organized, like he had the most organized campaign that he immediately sold <laughs> to the Democratic Party. But <laughs> if you want that kind of electoral result again, a landslide, because right. you have millions of people very excited about a yeah. candidate, I can tell you, last night in downtown Iowa City, wow, I don't think I saw a single person who was not on the same page as us. Yeah, I did. <laughs> uh, okay, so... A little I, bit of selection bias. I, 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 I will say, when they asked who here was excited to vote for Hillary Clinton, I did see two people raise their hand in the crowd. Oh, yeah, I and did they too, were actually. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, very, yeah. I just don't see how the middle-of-the-road approach, it just hasn't worked. It really hasn't worked. You need people to be excited, and you need people mm-hmm. to be enthusiastic and actually want to like go out and volunteer. Yeah. Well, and it's also just look at what we're facing, and, and not because at what they're going to get a, a cushy job when the uh, candidate of their choice wins. Yeah. You know, by that, Jake, do you mean that we have a Republican president who has that kind of energy? I mean, on the one side, you could say that. I was more thinking specifically about climate apocalypse. Oh, the urgency. Yeah, yeah. just yeah, mm-hmm. actually taking action. No, yeah. and it seems yeah. like we are at a time in history where it's like, oh yeah, this was predicted over a hundred years ago. Capitalism <laughs> yeah. is falling apart. Like there is not enough. It, it's not self-sustaining, and we're yeah. seeing that, mm-hmm. and it's causing incredible like mortal consequences to people and it's only going to get worse. And and this isn't even like a future problem. Like this is happening. Right. Yeah. I look around. I mean, when I moved here, I would talk to townies and then like the polar vortex hit and Mm -hmm. everyone's like, it's cold outside. How many of your friends apartments (laughs) flooded for the first time? Like their landlords were like, this apartment has never flooded before. Like anyway. Yeah. And, it's it's often thought of as either like a, a future problem or like mm-hmm. a geographically distant problem. Mm-hmm. Like there's hurricanes happening around, but that doesn't affect us in Iowa. Yeah, but stuff it's smaller stuff like that, like floods happening when they never happened before. Yeah, ever. Yeah, we've had like three thousand year yeah. floods in ten <laughs> years or whatever. Right? Right. It's it's hard to deny. Their flood plans are insanely outdated. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Jake, I know you have to leave fairly soon, right? Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you, since we were talking about Liz Warren a couple yeah. minutes ago, um, you know she's from Oklahoma, right? <laughs> I did know okay. that. Like, just like you. Yeah, Does just that like to me. You? No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, so what really aggravates me about Liz Warren and aggravates me about like my friends and colleagues who support Liz Warren really has to do with like identity politics. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm talking from my perspective. Yeah. I'm saying I could never support a candidate who was a Republican while uh, queer folks were being... Like yeah, the Reagan administration was covering up exactly the and literally laughing about it in press conferences. Absolutely unacceptable. Period. I don't care. I will never compromise. That's a hundred percent unacceptable. One hundred and ten percent. But following that, you know, also lying about being Native American for to advance your law career, Mm -hmm. Um, and and the and 
far away from that. It's just hard for me to trust absolutely any politician that has mm-hmm. ever even visited Harvard, let alone like <laughs> taught there. That's evil. It's an evil place unless you go there for painting. Yeah. I don't think they're producing a lot of evil painters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, But if you go there for like, I don't know, uh, industrial labor relations or something, you're going there to fix bread prices. Or, yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's... A nightmare, but I mean, you know, I'm from Oklahoma. I have friends who are native, and I know it can be really like complicated when we start talking sure, about yeah. like, you know, uh, I mean, it comes down to like what is race, and yeah. it's yeah. And I think the thing, main thing, is that we are all the same more than we are different, mm-hmm. and I think sometimes that gets lost. Um, among even like the social justice movement, it's like the end goal is that everyone is on an equal playing field, equal opportunity for all. And I feel like sometimes that gets like kind of pushed aside in form of like, I don't know. It's it's gross the way that people project so much onto like one individual person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I guess presidents are symbols. And yeah, and it's, it's yeah, it's hard I get to it, re- yeah, it's, it's hard to really argue against that because we've mm-hmm. never had a woman president. Right, and I don't, so so yeah. people that are latching onto that, it's like, what can I say? Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I need to play a grant spot real quick. Yeah, and I'm gonna leave. Okay, so <laughs> bye. I have to go to a meeting across town. Thanks for having me on. I hope but, I yeah, can thanks for coming just in. another time. Nice to meet you, yes, brother. Nice meeting you. You can't <laughs> hear, brother. but we just shook hands. Yes, um, thank you for, for you that. folks at home uh, <laughs> listening with and watching with your mind's eye. <laughs> we shook hands. It was a good handshake. Wasn't sweaty. Oh, nice. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> bye, y'all. Very dry skin. Bye, Jake. Thanks for coming in. Yeah, of course. <laughs> that was fun. All right, here's the grant spot. Cooper, you should be able to hear it this time, so look forward to it. Oh, beautiful. Support for KRUI is provided by Little Village. Little Village is Iowa City's independent, community-supported news and culture publication. Little Village's event calendar connects readers with critical cultural opportunities. Through journalism, essays, and events, Little Village works to improve our community according to core values, affordability and access, economic and labor justice, environmental sustainability, racial justice, gender equity, quality health care, quality education, and critical culture. Little Village can be found in print editions at local businesses in Iowa City as well as online at littlevillagemag.com. All right, we're back. This is uh, Rock Hard Caucus. Oh, sorry, this is I Hear, I See Radio. Um, <laughs> we're doing a crossover episode, it's so it's it's really both. Um, and we're talking about the upcoming caucus. Uh, this is, we're in the final stretch. The yes. final, final stretch. This is basically the last second on the clock here. Yep. And uh, I'm Justin. I've got Evan here. We had uh, Jake Jones in here for a bit, uh, his first time appearing on the show. I think he, he was a good, uh, yes, good contribution. Huh? Contributions. And we've got our good friend Cooper Harwood on the phone with us. Hello. Cooper, you heard that grant spot, right? I did, yes. Awesome, yes. Thank you. I know how to use this board. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that will be handy in the future. Um, so I want to take a, a bit of a detour here. I've got a, a Press Citizen article in front of me. This was published on the 31st, which was Friday, so two days ago. Um, again, the caucus is tomorrow, so this this came out uh, three days before the caucus, mm-hmm. and the press citizen has decided to make their uh, their voice heard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the headline is press uh, press citizen editorial board endorses. You want to take a guess, or do you know already? I already know. Okay, <laughs> I think I know as well. Okay, press citizen editorial board endorses. Amy Klobuchar for Iowa Caucus yeah. 2020. Uh, Amy Klobuchar, 
I I would not uh, I would not bet <laughs> against some people currently hearing this broadcast just hearing that name for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> really? I mean, I don't know. She's uh, <laughs> she's pulling a strong fifth in this state. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and we're in her neighboring state. She's from Minnesota, mm-hmm. and uh, she's only able to crack, you know, five percent or so here. Well, she's had a surge uh, up from two percent. Mm, yeah, or <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to read some of the text here in this endorsement. When Senator Amy Klobuchar of Minnesota showed up in Iowa City in May 2019, she was just another presidential hopeful roaming the streets. <laughs> But even then, <laughs> she had the right thesis for Democrats in a post-2016 America. The uh, same one as Hillary. <laughs> I truly believe if you are going to run for president, you should have some ideas. You should have a way to pay for them and a way to get them done. Klobuchar told a packed room at the Mill restaurant on May 4th, 2019. So uh, this is, you know, she's kind of taking a shot at the more yeah. ide- idealistic, progressive You got to pay for it. How do you pay? However, for could we do that? <laughs> and this is actually uh, so. When I was interviewing Virgil and Matt yesterday, um, that came up the "how do you pay for it" question, yeah. and and Virgil said that Bernie's answer for that is basically "who cares." <laughs> and I actually I I didn't you know want to hash it out on yeah. air yesterday, but I don't fully agree with. Yeah, that. I I think he said something similar, and I saw people were getting upset about it. <laughs> Um, well, it's more not that who cares. It's just like it's not. That's not the point right now. Yeah, definitely. And also, we can pay for it. It's not mm-hmm. that hard. The government actually has a lot of tools at its disposal to raise revenue. Yeah, it's just that it isn't using them because of <laughs> certain interests who don't like having their <laughs> revenue impacted by taxes. Yeah. So it can be done. It has been done. And it will be done. <laughs> Something I want to emphasize, though, is that Bernie Sanders has been in. Congress for mm-hmm. just about thirty years now, right? Yeah, I think nineteen ninety was when like he, he has when written it. or had his staff write anyway yeah. <laughs> uh, legislation <laughs> to enact his proposals. Like right. we have the written out plans, right? To yeah, do this, Bernie actually is the only, uh, only candidate who has actually proposed a wealth tax. Yeah, you in can, Congress. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elizabeth Warren never actually did that. You can argue that she talks like, about it a lot, though. You could argue against his plan if if you find if you object to things within the plan, but it's a complete fabrication when people say that he doesn't have a plan to mm-hmm. enact his or how to pay for his proposals. Like, right? He's he had he, as he said in the debate, "I wrote the damn bill." Yes, like he's he has these proposals written out. Mm-hmm. It's. It's a complete lie to say he doesn't have a plan. Right. And uh, most of the analysis of it is showing like this is how much it will cost, but not how much money will be raised as far as like it's only the actual, the, uh, the one side of the equation. Yeah. Policies know? can have impacts at both ends. Mm-hmm. Like there can be a cost to it and there can be a benefit to it. Right. We well, only yeah, ever hear about the first to scare us away yeah, from you it. You only <laughs> hear about the cost and not how they're going to like make up the cost mm-hmm. by like, Raising taxes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and anything that, I mean, if people are not destitute or in debt, then they will spend money. I mean, any, any of these plans have like a stimulus mm-hmm. gas exactly. built in. Yeah. Because, right. You know, Imagine how much more money you would have not tied up in healthcare. Mm-hmm. Right. 
Yeah, if my medical bills and student debt weren't weighing me down, I would buy all sorts of dumb garbage with my new money. I would buy lots of way way more Switch games for sure. Yes, (laughs) yeah, for sure. (laughs) Um, And another point I want to make on the the topic of how do you pay for it is that's not the fundamental question, right? To me, I look at the world and I see that we have collectively the resources to take care of the basic needs of every single person on this planet. Absolutely. Yes. And if you if you're asking the question how do you pay for it, you've just sort of skipped ahead. Like you're mm-hmm. saying you don't actually like that's not a goal for you. Right. Like right. if you can acknowledge that we have the ability to do something mm-hmm. and you don't have the moral judgment to say that we should yeah take care of everybody because we have the ability to do so. Yep. Like you are showing that says more about you than it does about the person you're trying to criticize for not having these detailed plans yeah. on how to pay for something. Right. And I, I think it's always been the case that the people who benefit the most from society should be the ones who are responsible for paying back the most into it. And considering there's a lot of people in this world who have just unimaginable resources that literally are uncomprehensible to the average person. Like mm-hmm. we can't even Michael Bloomberg's fortune is not comprehensible. The money that he's spending to literally buy the election is just the interest <laughs> that he's making off of his investments. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got like $60 billion and that's like not even a billion dollars is not understandable <laughs> to yeah. the average person. Yeah. How much would you say uh, a person needs to, to take care of their basic uh, necessities <laughs> in today's U.S. currency? Um, <laughs> what's the poverty line? Like twelve thousand a year? Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. something like that. Depending on how many people are in your household. Yeah. So but, assuming, yeah. assuming it takes roughly twelve thousand a year to take care of your housing, your that's food, yeah, I, et cetera. I think you can I mean, be a little, little more generous than yeah, that, but again, sure. yeah. it's not. Uh, but it's magnitudes um, lower. A person who has several billion dollars, it's like, yeah, they they they're basic necessities aren't any more expensive than mine. No. Like it doesn't cost more to no. feed them, clothe them, house them than it does me. Right. So what's happening to the rest of that wealth? <laughs> well, <laughs> and what could be happening to the rest of that wealth is the real question. Yeah. That's how we pay for it. It's right there in front of us. Yeah, it, it absolutely <laughs> is. It's just a mat like you said it's a matter of resources and it's a matter of allocating them. And thankfully the government does have the power to do the things that people insist are not possible. And, you know, obviously, I don't know. Uh, these ideas are, are going to win at some point in the future. So it might as well be now is kind of my perspective on it. Yeah, we can make like, it happen. If Bernie doesn't win now, we're not going to go away. And we're not going to like change <laughs> our minds and decide that, you know, actually, I think we might compromise on, you know, healthcare is a human right. <laughs> you know, it, it's going to be, the change has already happened. It's just that, we are actually here to, to capitalize on it right now, and so it, it needs to happen now. Well, let's see if the uh, press citizen can change your mind here. Oh. <laughs> A key point to Klobuchar's post-Trump America is nothing happens if we cannot get things done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that means flipping Republican seats in Congress, collaborating with Republicans when possible, and importantly, passing legislation. As the board sees it, the country needs change, but that change will only come from a party headed by a president who has the capacity to unify our country. 
That means avoiding candidates that would scare off would-be collaborators. <laughs> I think the word collaborators is very incriminating <laughs> in this paragraph. It is yeah, such a backward. I don't have positive connotations with the word collaborator. <laughs> collaborator, uh, when you hear the word collaborator, what do you immediately think of? Uh, Nazi Germany, <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, <Nazi> France. <laughs> Damn. Um, yeah, this is just... Uh, wrong. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, these people have an idea that they are only ever going to be able to appeal to the same voters over and over again. They don't even consider that like a massive amount of people in this country are not politically active whatsoever and could be activated. Mm-hmm. And, and Bernie, obviously, is the candidate to activate those people more so than Amy Klobuchar. Yeah, that's So it's like, we can expand the tent. We can bring people in to actually being involved in politics on even the barest level of voting, which is not hard. It's not hard to vote, really. Yeah. I mean, they're trying to make it harder. But <laughs> right, <it's, laughs> yeah, despite their best efforts. But, but, Paul Pate, Paul Pate, evil man. Oh, so uh, we, can lose, we can lose some swing voter Republicans if we bring in millions more people into the voting process. And that's right. the kind of candidate that Bernie is, 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 that's what he's doing. And we acknowledge that on some level. I mean, every single election, there's always bemoaning the low turnout. And so, I mean, we, we acknowledge the fact that there are a bunch of people who could vote and aren't. And then the strategy is still every time to win over the nine, never Trump, Obama, the Trump, <laughs> yeah. vote, you know, whatever, this, this tiny group of people columnists. who are seen as feasible. But. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I would say that the people who are are you know, taking the negative connotation out of it, are would-be collaborators yeah. <laughs> are the people right. that Evan is describing. And we are not risking scaring those people off because they're already not involved yeah. at all. Yeah, right. and the campaign is open arms to everyone. I admit that we are yeah. perhaps taking a risk in reaching out to those people because yeah. they don't know how to do this. They've never voted. They're yeah. not involved in this. Um, they're not a reliable, quote, mm-hmm. voter base. But we're not risking scaring them off. The the only direction we can go with these people is up. They're already pretty scared. In terms off. of, yeah, <laughs> in know, terms of electoral that, participation. About the Democratic Party and I mean, politics in general. Mm-hmm. The people that they're afraid of scaring off are people who are going to vote Republican mm-hmm. <laughs> reliably, yeah. no matter what. Um, while I continue reading this, do you want to maybe look for something in that pile of papers that <laughs> you, you would want to read? <laughs> Fight like a girl. <laughs> I have, uh, for the listeners at home, I have a <laughs> pile of this week's Daily Iowans and the current issue of Little Village. And uh, something I wanted to do in an older episode of Rock Hard Caucus, the one we recorded at Cooper's house, mm-hmm. I wanted Ooh. to have a paper copy of the Des Moines oh, Register right. and my plans were thwarted. And then, yeah, you couldn't get it at the gas station. So now, so now I'm fulfilling <laughs> that dream with this pile of papers here. Do you want to talk about the Trump rally? We could, but I'm going to continue <sighs> with this Amy thing and you, you find something that you think would be good. Okay. <laughs> um, Brief, could you, could you rustle the paper into the microphone a little bit? I want that like homey feeling. Of... Is that good? Is that there we go. Yeah. <laughs> All right, there you go. Yeah. Uh, and since we are just about at the top of the hour, I will remind the listeners, this is KRUI in Iowa City. It's 89.7 FM on your radio receiver, and it is streaming online at krui.fm. My name is Justin Comer. I am the regular host of I Hear, I See Radio. We're doing a little different thing this week. This is a crossover episode with the politics podcast, Rock Hard Caucus. 
because the Iowa caucus is tomorrow night, February 3rd. I'm joined by Evan Jones currently and Cooper Harwood. And I'm reading through the Press Citizens endorsement of A.B. Klobuchar. Continuing on, she can beat Trump in the Midwest, which is key to winning the Electoral College as well as the popular vote. Citation needed, I'd say there. Um, (laughs) It is absolutely not a given that Amy Klobuchar could beat Trump in the Midwest. Right. Where does this, I mean, does does geographical proximity mean more to other people? I've never encountered this as a thing that like matters at all. I think it's possible that it meant more years ago. Sure. Like it was a, a pretty much given in like the 80s and earlier that, a candidate would win their home state. And now I don't know if yeah. that's the case. I mean, Trump obviously is not going to win New York, but that's kind right. of a fringe case. <laughs> oh, he's so mad about that, too. <laughs> he just wanted to be king of New York, and then he became king of America, which I guess, I don't know. I don't know if he considers that better or not. I think, honestly, I, I think Trump would probably be much happier if he was like the mayor of New York City than if he was oh, the... Oh, man. That's probably a harder job. It, yeah. <laughs> well, Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you don't have the, the military and the foreign policy stuff. But yeah. I mean, yeah. New York City seems yeah difficult. <laughs> it does. I mean, I guess you're going to be hated no matter what. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I would I mean, say... The line the, between the NYPD and the military is increasingly yeah, vanishing, but... <laughs> good point. Good point. <laughs> I would say that this statement here that uh, Amy Klobuchar could beat Trump in the Midwest uh, has really nothing to back it up, and they don't even try in this article. <laughs> Uh, Her track record in Minnesota shows her ability to appeal across urban, rural, and progressive moderate divides. Let me read that again because it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. (laughs) Her track record in Minnesota shows her ability to appeal across urban, rural, and progressive moderate divides. Okay, I get it. They use commas. Oh, okay. Slashes may have been easier to understand. In her 2006 yeah. race against Republican then U.S. Representative Mark Kennedy, she won all but eight counties. In 2012, she beat her opponent, Kurt Bills, by 35 points, outperforming even President Barack Obama's re-election victory. While Republicans had a better year in 2018, she still held strong support in the Twin Cities and its suburbs. All right, if we're talking about uh, home state supports, let's uh, <laughs> compare that to Senator Bernard Sanders. <laughs> <laughs> She won all but eight counties. I don't know if Bernie loses any counties in Vermont in his Senate races, but I don't have the data in front of me to back that up. Uh, I know he is the most popular sitting U.S. senator. Yep. And Warren is in the bottom 10. I wonder if that has anything to do with him not being a Democrat. (laughs) (laughs) Not sure. While in Congress, she has shown a consistency in working the system. They do, nice. they keep using these phrases that have like inherently negative yeah. connotations. Yeah, <laughs> working the system, working the system uh, to produce outcomes, <laughs> to produce outcomes. No value judgment oh, at all. No value judgment. Bad, Nothing about maybe outcome. changing the system. Just I am able to operate within the exact tiny constraints of the American political apparatus. <laughs> And like moving backward, I mean, just highlighting the fact that she is able to pass lots, lots of legislation means nothing because legislation can be bad. In fact, history shows us <laughs> that many laws That's have been true. bad. Yeah. Yeah. Probably more bad than good. I think that's probably fair. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think quantity over quality yeah, is really the focus that There's on, some but. sort of bipartisan solution um, or like, I guess the only really bipartisan thing that even exists in our government anymore is the military 
And I yeah. generally yeah. don't have terms, a yeah. yeah positive reaction to those stories. <laughs> Which not to about. derail, but one one more like we, the the simultaneous we we need bipartisanship, and also that the Republican Party is a completely morally bankrupt force. I don't know how you entertain both of those ideas at the same time. Right. Yeah. And they, they do that a little bit in this article. Like at the beginning, there was something about how we need to flip Republican Senate seats and we also need to compromise with Republicans. Right. Like, okay. Like this seems like these goals are a little bit at odds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Like, do we want to remove their power or do we want to empower mm-hmm. them more? <laughs> yeah. And do yeah. Republicans ever talk about any of this? I mean, they have before, I know, we talked about bipartisanship, but I mean, both parties like to talk about it, but really only one of them actually tries Makes to do it. Makes efforts to engage in it, yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, the Republicans have been nothing but icy to the Democrats and just locked them out of any, any negotiating table. Mm-hmm. From the 2018 Broadband Infrastructure Act to a bill to incent physicians to practice in underserved, often rural communities... Klobuchar has moved the needle. Shout out to Trillbilly Workers Party for the moved the needle reference. (laughs) Many have decried Klobuchar as a moderate incrementalist, many including myself. But she has shown she is willing to make big moves focused on making the process better. While she and the rest of her colleagues in the Senate are finding their work halted by Mitch McConnell... Klobuchar's 100-day plan details how she would use executive orders to get the U.S. back in the international climate agreements on day one, taking a step towards reclaiming our leadership on addressing the climate crisis. Okay, so you're going to do what the last administration did in 2010. Mm -hmm. Which was uh, not enough action at the time and is uh, a crime at this point. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'm not seeing the connection here between um, the climate agreements and the Mitch McConnell thing. Kind of a confused sentence there. Um, And I I will point out that while she and the rest of her colleagues in the Senate are finding their work halted by Mitch McConnell. Okay, here's the thing. A majority of her colleagues in the Senate are in agreement with Mitch McConnell. (laughs) Yeah. He is not like a lone wolf. He's not a rogue actor. Right. He is the majority party. Mm-hmm. He's able to halt because he is wielding his power. Yes, he's getting them all in line on the same page to resist anything that the Democrats are doing. Mm-hmm. And the only way that we are going to be able to do something similar from the side of yeah. justice is to have an overwhelming uh, election result. Right. You need You need to flip like as much of our elected offices as possible. Yeah. With, and you need to do it like overwhelmingly, right. as many people as possible. And guess what? They're going to be just as hostile to any sort of incremental reform as they are to broad reforms. Yeah, that's a good point. And, too. and incremental reforms yeah. are destined to fail because they don't have enough popular support. So yeah, because it's not. What's, <laughs> I, if I see a candidate offering me uh, a, we'll use a real example a reduction in student loan debt if I meet certain criteria, mm-hmm. am I going to be that thrilled? No. <laughs> that that yeah. energized to go out and fight for that candidate's yeah. vision versus yep. eliminate, all erase student. all student debt. Yep. yep. That is, how many people does that affect and like 
instantly like you perk up. <laughs> yeah. How so, many of us are under this like giant weight? I think it's also a good way to frame it in terms of like how that will affect your lives and how much of the the stuff that you are forced to do you would stop doing <laughs> if you had no like deductible um, for healthcare, mm-hmm. no premium. Mm-hmm. You didn't have to worry about that. You didn't have to worry about your student loan debt. Like that would free up so much mental space and so much time and so much resources for so many people. Mm-hmm. That like again, like you said, it is like a stimulus program because then that frees up people to spend money and actually, you know, buy the creature comforts and mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And the point I was but making. Gonna... Oh, sorry, Cooper. Oh, you you give me yours and then I'll give you mine. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, yeah, I mean, but just on the negotiate, like on on the uh, you know bipartisanship kind of. No, I mean mm-hmm. it, the idea that like if you're going to negotiate, like pretty basic concept is that you should come in with a very strong position that is possibly even stronger than what you are willing to settle for, and then yeah. you negotiate down. And so if you're already coming in with a watered down suggestion, and then you expect that the Republican party will just say, yep, sounds good. Like you're mm-hmm. going to water whatever you bring even further down. Yeah. And so if you are starting with a bunch of caveats and means testing and all that, that's just so many more areas to, you know, make it even weaker than it started with. Yeah, You're sabotaging right? you, yourself. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And the point I was making is that Mitch McConnell is, as much as I oppose his agenda, he mm-hmm. is doing the, he's enacting the correct strategy. Right. He's like, this is like, he's using <laughs> the levers of power that are available to him. To further and the his, Democrats have often been yeah, like kind desires. of distasteful of like actual power being exercised, even if it is for the collective good. They just kind of like don't really like. I mean, I guess it's that they don't like the populism aspect. Yeah. And how, how did we get to they this point? They love rules. They love rules. We got to this point because Mitch McConnell's party has amassed so much power mm-hmm. because nobody cared to vote for the opposition. Yep. And if we reverse course, we will then have a strong progressive party that can do the same thing Mitch McConnell is doing now. Mm-hmm. And pass an agenda that works for people. Yep. Makes people happy. And it's going to perpetuate itself because once these changes are being enacted, yep. more and more people will yep. have a positive opinion of this party yep. and it will continue growing in power. Yep. It's they have such a short view of <laughs> politics. It's insane. Yeah. And it hasn't worked. It hasn't worked. Yeah, proven wrong. Proven wrong. Um, I don't want to read any more of this Amy Klobuchar thing. It's just a joke. It's a complete joke that the press citizen endorsed them. She's not relevant she's not, to yeah, this race. Yeah, she's not a viable candidate. It's silly. Um, <laughs> like, I know she got a, a half of a New York Times endorsement as well, but... There's the power to her because she's not... I mean, she's uh, she is who she, who she says she is, you know? That's true, sure. But, mm-hmm. yeah. But what, she, what she is is not appealing to us. What she is is not appealing to us. You have something good in that paper? In front um, of you? Maybe. Um, do you want to read about um, promoting Biden's quiet power? <laughs> um, sure. I, that seems odd to me. <laughs> He's got some quiet power. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's hear a little bit of that. Okay. Um, this is uh, actually, I think, just a, um, a write-in from a member of the public. Um, 
But she says, Iowans have the privilege of meeting a lot of presidential candidates. I have been able to meet, shake hands, get FaceTime, take selfies, and generally take stock of many, many candidates. The current nomination cycle has produced a crop of such opportunities given the 20-plus candidates running for president. Most stump speeches aim to inspire with noble ideals, passion, and common sense. But this mm-hmm. year, I have run into an anomaly, former Vice President Joe Biden. <laughs> so <laughs> that's an interesting start. paragraph there. <laughs> most, most stump speeches try to inspire you. Yeah, th- I found something totally different. I found something that, yeah, you're, <laughs> I'm not sure you're making the case you're thinking you're making. Um, she attended the Freedom and Justice Center in Des Moines November. Presidential hopefuls all came down the runway to give their loud speeches to loud music with a fog machine thrown in for dramatic effect. <laughs> She's got a problem with fog machines and loud music. Um, she probably doesn't like rock and roll because it's corrupting the kids. Um, all of the candidates except one came out and gave big speeches in the aforementioned mold. Biden, however, did something that I had never experienced before. He came out on stage, grabbed the microphone, and started walking around, speaking softly in personal terms to the thousands in the room. He contextualized the condition of the country and the world in a way that a parent, a best friend, or counselor would speak to you, one hand on your shoulder, looking you in the eyes. I mean, that's his thing. He uh, he really connects with people because he invades their personal space <laughs> very closely. It leaves an impact for sure. Yeah, and I've seen him do this thing too, where he um, kind of like mutters and kind of like shuffles around in a circle on the stage and tries to like, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. It's kind of like a preacher routine, I guess. Mm. Yeah, where he like alternates between like the quiet and the loud. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I was sitting up in the bleachers and I stepped back from the speech a moment and took in the entire auditorium. I noticed the room was filling up with another kind of energy. It was a kind of silence. For fear of getting too mushy or esoteric, I call it quiet power. It was as quiet as the others were loud. Okay. Ooh, okay. I don't know how you... This is getting like spiritual. It's not really how measuring volume works, but yeah. I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> uh, I was subsequently with Biden at two small events since that dinner and used this, uh, the same thing happened. He used this quiet power to inform you as to who he is, his story, his experience in office, elected to the Senate at age 29, and what is at stake in this election in very personal human terms. You could hear a pin drop. <laughs> Which I, These I are all that's very a good kind thing. ways of talking about how uh, underpopulated all of his events are. Yeah, how unexcited the coal crowd was. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Biden is the quiet guy who will tell you that everything, it doesn't need to, you don't need to be mad. You don't need to be mad. There's no injustice happening. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, obviously he's anti Trump or whatever, but. <laughs> We don't want to go too far. We Low don't want to. We don't want to like passionately make this case and, and be upset over the conditions in this country. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, and they, actually, this is what she says. Biden is basically the anti-Trump. He sets himself believably as a reminder of old-fashioned kindness against Trump's proliferation of hate. A believer in the American experiment, as opposed to Trump's mocking and denigration of the ideals that, with the help of divine providence, founded America centuries ago, and that many have sacrificed and died for since. So Trump is loud and talks and says a bunch of bad stuff, and Biden uh, <laughs> shuffles around and. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like you are just denying reality at this point. Yeah, if, <laughs> if I you, mean, there's plenty of quiet shuffling, but there's also, I mean, a just cavalcade of him being weird and angry at people. Yeah, <laughs> there is. Yeah, there is a contrast when he gets any sort of negative attention from anyone at a campaign event. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah just tells them to vote, go vote for Bernie. <laughs> Which, I mean, sure. I mean, I'm glad you're telling people that. <laughs> yeah. And um, also, uh, like the the loudness and the the just like energetic hate of, of the <laughs> Trump campaign is a successful strategy yeah. apparently. And right. the, the so quiet I don't know. power part, I don't really buy that from Biden. He's always been a guy who said things that he shouldn't have said. Yeah, and he, like he's not he's, he's a talker. He's, he's a big talker. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's always not his really mouth. his thing. And like I guess when I see some something like that, it seems very staged, very rehearsed. Like I mean, he's trying to make his case I guess to the, the more um elderly voters who don't necessarily you know, want things to change radically because they're just trying to, you know, mm-hmm. live out the rest of their lives in peace. Yeah, which more power to, to that, but roughly that was what we all want. Um, it's just like, <laughs> I'm trying to live out the rest. Of I'm trying to live out the rest of my life in peace, and that's why I'm going to be voting for Bernie Sanders. Um, <clears throat> I got to interrupt you here with a quick public okay. service announcement. Okay. We'll be right back with the rest of this article, which I'm sure will be riveting. <laughs> it's got some more good stuff. <laughs> According to Bundle.com, the average utility bill for Iowans is $183 per month. I agree that seems a bit high. Green Iowa AmeriCorps is here to help by offering free home audits and weatherizations if you're a veteran, low-income household, or disabled. Green Iowa AmeriCorps is a nonprofit organization helping to make Iowans more energy efficient through low-impact home weatherizations, energy education, and community outreach. For more information or to sign up for your free audit, call us at 319-784-2735, email us at greeniowacr at gmail.com, or find us on the web at www.greeniowaamericorps.org. Yes, that's right. I wasn't listening, but I'm sure everything said on there was uh, <laughs> you know, something you should consider. <laughs> this is... <laughs> Uh, you listen to Carrie Why. This is uh, the I Hear I See Radio time slot. Usually, this hour every week or two hours is about local music. This week, though, we've got a very important event coming up, and I decided to flip the script. And we're talking about politics today. This is the I Hear I See Radio Everyone's crossover. Favorite subject crossover with Rock Hard Caucus, the extremely popular politics podcast <laughs> <laughs> from the state of Iowa. Listen up, everybody. Iowa caucus is tomorrow. This is a big deal. Yep. This is the first time anyone will be voting mm-hmm. in the nomination process for the Democratic candidate to run in the general election yep. to be president of the United States. Really sets the stage. Everyone is watching mm-hmm. in the world. <laughs> Pretty much. This is, uh, I mean. I was at the Bernie campaign office and there was a man who had just gotten off a plane from China who just showed up and I guess was trying to see when the next Bernie rally was going to be. And uh, yeah, it was cool to see that. Like there's enthusiasm. I mean, there's been a lot of international folks in their Mm -hmm. office. I know um, the lady who handed me my Cox materials was from Australia. (laughs) Wow. Um, Which is, yeah, it's pretty interesting. And listen, we can't tell you what to do. People listening to this over the air right now. We can't tell you what to do, but we can tell you what we want. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and what we want is for Bernie Sanders to win the Iowa caucus. And we want him to win New Hampshire the week after that, and then Nevada, and then South mm-hmm. Carolina, and yep. then every Super Tuesday state. <laughs> yep. We want to rack up the delegates to a point where we cannot be stopped yeah. by any means. I think 
I don't know. I think by Super Tuesday, it could be pretty much over. I don't want to say that. <laughs> I know. I don't want to. Just like looking at like California. Like California's looking really good California's for us right excellent. now. Excellent. That's a big old pool of delegates. Yeah. If if we take three out of four of the early states, mm-hmm. which is very likely, feasible. Yeah. It seems like likely, not even like possible, but yeah. likely at this point. And then if he gets the lead that it's looking like he's going to get in California, like mm-hmm. this could be it. Yep. And this, like, what happens tomorrow night really will affect whether that happens or not, like whether we get the ball rolling. Mm-hmm. And I think we are. I mean, we're not going to know for sure until the votes are cast. The caucus preference groups have stood <laughs> in the correct areas of each one. Throughout <laughs> I the love state. that term, <laughs> preference groups. <laughs> we won't know, but it feels like something real is happening. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I hope it is happening. And I hope that anyone sympathetic to our cause listening right now feels the same. Mm-hmm. Don't let it make you complacent, but let the let the positivity and the hope energize you. Yeah. I don't think that counts as a call to action, right? If I'm saying let the hope energize you, I feel like that's Well <laughs> that's like a vague well, uh, uplifting. Just you I have a position on hope. <laughs> <laughs> That doesn't count as a call to action. I'm going to say that right now. <laughs> All right, you said it. It's it's true now. I said it, and it's law. <laughs> How's the rest of that article looking? Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, I can finish. Um, let's see. Uh, so she's still talking about the Biden event she went uh, went to, and she said, "I wondered three things while walking away from the speech the other night. First, in the age of fake news, bots, trolls, big money, and tribalism, will quiet power be enough to win in November?" No. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> yeah, I think we need energized people, not quiet people. We need the, the tribe. And I'm pretty quiet myself, so this is kind of taking a lot for me to... <laughs> <laughs> the tribalism to is... stump, but... <laughs> the tribalism is a fact of life. Yeah. It's like something we can either take advantage of or not. Yep. Energize oh. that tribe or yep. don't. There are a lot of people who actually care about the welfare of people who are not them. There's a lot yeah. of us. Um, so she says, first, uh, it's about the fake news and trolls. Uh, second, what kind of loud world would we live, we'd be living in without quiet people like Biden to remind us of who we are and what it feels like to be at our best? I mean, we do live in a pretty loud do you, world. Do you like, not we think already, the world's loud? Yeah, we already, it's pretty intense. It's a pretty if, intense time to be alive. I don't know if you've ever... Uh, come across the term sound pollution but <laughs> yeah this is the loudest the world's ever been <laughs> right mm-hmm. there's cell phone signals traveling through our bodies <laughs> at all times so we can read twitter <laughs> and, and be just fed terrible news <laughs> all day yeah um, finally, what effect would quiet power have in governance, especially foreign policy? What about current needs to face down would-be dictators around the world? and the yeah. other challenges to the world order. What about at home, convincing America to shift the economy to carbon neutrality? Hmm, something that Biden has not really shown any affinity no, for. No, not really. I mean, yeah. I'm sure he has proposals for climate change, but mm-hmm. I don't think he's really pushed it too much. Anytime anyone brings it up at a I rally, know. Yeah, he, he got off. mad and told that one guy who's talking about like the uh, pipelines, you know, because Biden, I think, is still, he's still, I'm pretty sure he's still pro-fracking 
and still pro new pipelines being built. Pipelines for sure. Yeah, yeah. I know that was the uh, point yeah. of contention. In that I don't know about the fracking. He might, be, he might have changed course on that, but his, someone asked him about it and he said to vote for Bernie and then he was like, actually, I'm voting for Tom Satire. Which is hilarious. But um, anyway, she for one is willing to cast her vote for Joe Biden's quiet revolution. Like, I don't know. It does. You're not making a very strong case there. At the end, you're kind of like, will this actually work? Was this like quiet power even possible? <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what Obama's whole thing was, and it didn't work. <laughs> I mean, he kind of was just he was very reserved mm-hmm. in his mm-hmm. effect, and like he wasn't. He had when he got elected, he had the momentum and the popular support behind him, but he kind of he had to save up that political capital. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Or you know <laughs> that thing that never happened. But yeah, yeah, he didn't seem willing to fight. Like he seemed like he was more willing to compromise with the existing power structure, and you know, kind of craft out a, a niche for mm-hmm. him himself. And a lot of Biden's pitch is that he was a big part of that administration. Right. So I think right. you know he's he's hearkening back to just a few years ago. He wants he wants you to feel. Yeah. Like voting for him is voting for a return to the Obama yeah. years. It's like the inherently conservative nature of the Democratic Party. <laughs> like, yeah, they they don't really like the big ideas. They want to feel like the world is is nice and pleasant and quiet, mm-hmm. and that we can have someone in office who will kind of steer the ship for us, and we don't really have to to worry about it. We just want to kind of tune out and, and let other people make decisions for us. Yeah, certain, uh, I mean Hillary that might be generalizing be a little right bit now. here. <laughs> What'd you say? Oh, if Hillary had won, we'd be at brunch right now. Oh yeah, the, yeah. I mean that's exactly yeah. yeah. Oh. That's there is a lot of that, <laughs> and that's that's a big contrast to draw as well. Um, I mean we've brought it up before, but the the whole point of Bernie Sanders' candidacy for president is that it's not about a single person occupying mm-hmm. a single position of power. It's about a larger movement to enact change with a sympathetic figurehead mm-hmm. of that movement in yeah. the most powerful seat in the world. Because like the the presidency is current or the 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 institutions that we look at our mm-hmm. power structure is currently so so opposed yeah. to what we want to do that simply electing a president is not going to do much of anything. Yeah. If right. if we simply if we were to elect a president who has a similar uh, policy slate mm-hmm. to Bernie Sanders, who is not so movement focused, mm-hmm. is somebody like, for example, Elizabeth Warren, who yeah. who has some a lot of similar policy goals to Bernie, but is not emphasizing the need for uh, a soft people's revolution essentially. <laughs> uh, she likes to talk a lot about corruption, but she doesn't really go any further than that in sort of like maybe the inherent corruption. <laughs> For her, it's more about using the existing power structures right. in a good way, a better way. Yes. To right. to make things a little better. Yeah. Like we can make the system work sort of rhetoric. Mm-hmm. But as yeah. as I'm arguing now, that's not enough because we've been shown everywhere else in that power structure, like everything that's currently happening, the way everything is constructed mm-hmm. is so invested in the current status quo, status quo. Yeah. Where 
millions of people are suffering needlessly, not just here, mm-hmm. but around the world, due in part to our military occupations and our mm-hmm. economic actions yeah, and our economic, economic sanctions, sanctions are and- uh, uh, taking advantage of low income uh, labor forces around the yeah, world. Trade agreements. Yeah. Um, it, that is so entrenched that we cannot act against it simply by electing somebody as president. Right. We need to actually be motivating regular people, mm-hmm. the whole world essentially, to, to say like, this is not right and it has to stop. Yep. And yeah, the thing... I mean, go ahead. Oh, my God. Oh, I mean, as you're saying that, I mean, the idea that you could get everything that Bernie Sanders promises without having to do any legwork afterward yeah. <laughs> is very appealing to me as someone who is deeply tired. <laughs> and, yeah. But yeah. it simply won't happen. And so I can understand the appeal of a Warren, for example, right. if you know she's promising a lot of the same stuff, but we know better. Yeah, the world is going to be scary and outside of your control, no matter who is president. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Uh, yeah, like like I said with the Obama thing, like it really does show these people just really want to just go back and, and not have to think about it. You know, they Trump, they don't like Trump just because he's upsetting to the status quo that we have a nice president who talks nicely and says the right things mm-hmm. and all of that. Yeah. But the thing is Obama, he didn't actually capitalize on the majority of his campaign promises. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you want to go back to that. You want to go back to more like from my perspective, the Obama administration felt like failure, <laughs> like getting worse. Yeah. Like he, mm-hmm. he was a worse president when he left office than when he started. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, and did, I don't want to go back into that. Yeah. And I, I don't see how, I mean, it's just obviously not sustainable. No, because he wasn't, he didn't drop to the depths of George W. Bush, of course, but mm-hmm. it's just like a constant, like zigzag down. Like yeah. you, you go yeah. down hard, you come up a little bit. Yeah. You go down we, hard again. <laughs> yeah. And I it's mean, just alternating. The two big things is just the, the Democrats want to do what the Republicans want to do for the economy, but to a slightly less extreme extent, but still a very extreme extent in the context of like (laughs) politics and like world politics. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also the, they want to ease the military industrial complex and and make it less (laughs) intense, but still leave the apparatus fully intact for someone like Trump to come into office and, and use it to, you know, throw more bombs. I mean, they're, the drone bombing has gotten even much more intense under Trump. So it's, mm-hmm. and that's something it's that started still, with Obama. It's exactly, I mean, yeah. it's Obama yeah. does not deserve to get a pass for that. I mean, he didn't use it to the extreme extent that Trump is doing, but he didn't, he left it in place there for him. And he didn't do, I mean, that's, that's the third wall, third rail of American politics is the, the military. So, I yeah. mean, there is a lot of pressure, but there's always going to be a lot of pressure. And that's the thing with Bernie is that he's never been one to succumb to it. And now that we've touched on uh, war and foreign policy, <clears throat> Cooper, did you try to say something just now? Oh, probably, but I lost track. No <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> uh, I have a, a relevant article here, and this one is one I'm I'm anticipating we're going to like, actually, which is a change of pace. For <laughs> First us. time. Yeah. <laughs> Never encountered that in this program. <laughs> um, so this is this was published in the Des Moines Register today. It's called "Who Can Put a Stop to Endless War." 
Bernie Sanders is the choice. This was written by Daniel Hamidi, who was uh, employed by the Sanders campaign last year, but has been uh, off of the campaign for a couple months now, back living in California. Somebody that I worked with a little bit back in the, uh, the early stages of the 2020 campaign. It says here, uh, my loving fellow Iowan, I ask for your solidarity this upcoming presidential caucus as an Iranian-American who is concerned about the safety and freedom of Iranians and Americans. We're at the closest to direct war between my two countries that we have thus reached over the course of my 23 years of life. It has been a difficult month. On January 3rd, a United States drone strike, ding, 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 (laughs) killed Islamic Republic General Qasem Soleimani at Baghdad International Airport. This was an act of profound recklessness escalation and violence. While I unequivocally oppose authoritarianism and imperialism in all forms, including Iranian involvement in Iraq, murder is never the answer. Love is always the answer. In the ensuing mayhem on January 8th, the Islamic Republic shot down a plane shortly after takeoff from Tehran, an act of unconscionable carelessness, stealing 176 beautiful precious lives. On January 20th, U.S. Customs and Border Protection detained 24-year-old Mohammed Abadi, an Iranian student at Northeastern University on a student visa returning from winter break at Boston International Airport, and deported him later that night. This despite a court order for him to stay. What do we even stand for as a nation? <laughs> ah, good question. Good question. Uh, I am part of Never Again Action, a progressive Jewish activism group that exposes, opposes, and seeks to dismantle institutional white supremacist violence, drawing connections between treatment of Jews throughout global history, including the Holocaust, and ongoing treatment of minoritized peoples by politicians. I see it as a patriotic duty to suggest that Iran functions as a giant prison or concentration camp. It is incredibly difficult for Iranians to leave the borders of Iran. On top of this, Iranians face collective retribution wrath from the U.S. government for the actions of their government. Of their government. Yes. Yeah. Including sanctions that starve the Iranian poor and working class and ongoing threat of military attack. Never again is now. With the caucus coming up on February 3rd, I write to remind you that the president is commander-in-chief, possessing the fates of millions of lives, including the disproportionately poor and working class members of the U.S. military, in the palms of their hands. Senator Bernard Sanders is the candidate I trust most to heal relations between America and the Middle East. He's the only candidate for president running from Congress to consistently oppose Trump's military budget increases. Very important point there. Yes, uh, absolutely. Even, yeah. you know, second most Elizabeth progressive Elizabeth Warren candidate. has been 100% on board with any military budget increase. All of them, right? All of them. All of them. Yeah. I think maybe, maybe the last one, but, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have after there is political pressure. Maybe I'm yeah, not sure. <laughs> we have a like a, an awful man at, at the at the helm of this military machine, like destroying at whatever it wants. Mm-hmm. And no one but Bernie, who's running in this race, has been voting against his military increases. Yep, insane. <laughs> it is insane. He led the passage of a bipartisan resolution, uh, he being Bernie, Mm -hmm. uh, through the Republican-led Senate to end U.S. support of the Saudi dictator's genocide in Yemen. Another very important point. When we say, when uh, candidates such as Amy Klobuchar or anyone from the moderate wing say, Bernie is not the candidate who can get things done. He's Mm -hmm. He's too far left. He's too idealistic. He's too radical. 
This guy got a bill passed through through the current Senate, which is majority Republican, mm-hmm. and even I mean most Democratic senators are not going to vote against yeah, military action. Of course, yeah. Bernie got this passed through the Senate to end the war in Yemen, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah, and it was vetoed by Trump. Yeah, but still. Like he got it that far, mm-hmm. being a lone voice almost in opposition yeah. to this. Yeah. Uh, he voted against the Iraq war in 2002. Of course, I mean, this is something we all know. <laughs> it is crazy how little Biden has been pressured on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Considering that was a big contrast between Obama and Hillary. Yeah. If, if you out there, if you yeah. remember uh, the launch of the Iraq war, the invasion, um, if, you, if you think... That was a bad idea. <laughs> Operation Iraqi Freedom. Uh, we have a current candidate for president who voted against that and was very vocal in his opposition to that. If that matters to you, that candidate's name is Bernie Sanders. And has consistently been in opposition to our pointless wars. Yeah. He voted against the Iraq war in 2002, demonstrating crucial humanity and judgment. Finally, Bernie has the strongest record when it comes to fighting for dignified treatment of our veterans. In response to the Veterans Affairs healthcare scandal of 2014, Sanders worked with uh, John McCain to pass funding to strengthen the VA. Again, an example of somebody that you tout as too radical, too far left, unable mm-hmm. to achieve his goals. Uh, cooperating with John McCain, who... <laughs> uh, I mean, a lot of people well, have conflicting, maverick. conflicting views on this one, but uh, yeah. I, would, I would say, in general, not in favor of uh, Bernie Sanders' agenda. No. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. My personal opinion will stay out of it for now. Yep. <laughs> uh, all in all, I see tremendous restoration potential in the Sanders presidency, and I ask you to keep this in mind as you finalize your caucus decision. I think these are wise words from our friend Daniel Hamidi. Yeah, that's that's great. I mean, and that's the thing too is like we don't even experience the consequences or even hear about the consequences of U.S. military action overseas. We're not the ones who have to live with it, and that's kind of it ties in with Bernie Sanders. It's not me, us, and that includes people overseas. You know, it includes the entire. I mean, obviously, climate change, like the bigger issues that are affecting the there is world issues, it's international issues that. That um, you know, every human life is valuable. Yes, not just not just American lives, not just the people we're sending over there, but the people that they are fighting against or victimizing often. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And that was, I mean, even people who then you know were speaking out against what we were doing in Iran. I mean, it was always framed as we don't want to send send our troops over there. Like that was the (laughs) single concern. It's like, what do you think that our troops would be doing over there? I mean, (laughs) (laughs) right. All right. Well, I think uh, we should probably start wrapping it up. So I'm going to go into final pitch mode. (laughs) All right. The Iowa caucus is tomorrow, February 3rd. If you don't know how to caucus, you can find that information. BernieSanders.com slash Iowa. You can put in your address there. You can find the location you need to arrive at. You need to be at least in line, if not inside the location, by 7 p.m. Mm-hmm. Or the Democratic Party, I'm shaking my <laughs> fist, will not let you participate. Get there in the early. Just pretend it starts at 6.30. Do what you can to get there as soon as you can. Uh, that's not a call to action. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could be you going, are going there to, go to vote for any, any particular candidate. <laughs> I mean, 
participating in politics is is a good thing. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> even I, if you're not voting for Bernie, <laughs> I would suggest it. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, if if you like us think that electing Bernie Sanders as president and continuing the momentum that we're building here with a movement to alter the social order and just reorder mm-hmm. things in a in a more just fashion i think you you really ought to think about it uh, the iowa caucus is, is like a very important it's it's a real opportunity to yeah to you yourself push this thing forward yeah. we have outsized influence we i do. mean it's it's a privilege that you should take advantage of yes and i i will be supporting bernie sanders with my with all of my ability at my caucus tomorrow night yep. because I want Medicare for all. I want everyone. Healthcare is a human right. Yep. Uh, medicine is a public good and should be freely available to anyone who needs it. Healthcare is something that it's, it's not an if it's a when that's exactly. Yes. We all, we all need this kind of attention at some point and it should be guaranteed to every single one of us. We yeah. have the ability to do so, and we should do it. I want a Green New Deal because climate change is an existential threat. It's not a joke. Yes, um, <laughs> like we are, we are on a, a pretty bad path right now. Yeah, it, it's it. It might not be um, immediate catastrophe, but it, the stress on this existing system is just going to continue to mount, and there's going to be cracks, and there's going to be a lot of climate events and a lot of people who are displaced like it's it's a huge deal and it's not uh, isolated it's like fundamental to our life on this planet is the environment that we live in it's not something that's up for negotiation mm-hmm. i want college for all i believe that uh though it may not be as life-threatening as healthcare, i believe that education is a right to all people. Anybody who has the motivation to to learn a skill or mm-hmm. to study whatever they want, I believe they should have the right to pursue that desire, and they should be able to do so without incurring uh, mountains of debt. Um, it should it should just be available to all of us. Mm-hmm. I believe in workplace democracy. Absolutely, that's a big one. Yes, I yes. I believe yes. that uh, Cooper, you got something. Oh nope, just agreeing. Okay, great. Thank you for agreeing. <laughs> um, I believe that I believe that the working class, which is the vast majority of us, should have a hand in what happens at the place where they have to spend all their time. Yep. <laughs> if you have to work for a living, you should have a say in mm-hmm. what happens at that place where you work. Absolutely. It should not simply be dictated by whoever inherited the business. <laughs> yep. Ownership is not a. Uh, it's we it's, talk a lot. It's not about a character judgment, right? You don't <laughs> own the means of production because you deserve it, right? <laughs> <laughs> it simply happens. Yep, and we talk a lot about freedom and democracy in this country, but when it comes to your rights as a as a worker, as you know, you, you know the main thing that most people do in their lives, <laughs> yeah. you don't have a say. I mean. Yeah. You're told what to do, where to do it. <laughs> you know, you might have some uh, ability to to influence what you're doing or you know how, your conditions, but but for the most part, it's not up to you. 
Yeah. And you should have a say. Yeah. I'm just going down the issues page on BernieSanders.com, yeah, yeah. <laughs> by the way. I'm going to do one more. I believe in housing for all. Yes. We have vacant housing. We have more vacant housing than we have people who are currently living outside mm-hmm. without homes. Just an obvious moral question. Yep. Do you believe that a human being's right to sleep inside is more important than somebody's right to earn money off of real estate, mm-hmm. buildings, and land? If you believe that a human being deserves to sleep inside, yep. housing for all is the answer. Yep. We can do it. We should do it. Yep. And if you understand that it's not always those people's fault, like yeah, people just want to yeah. say that, you know, your outcomes are determined by all of the choices that you make, but it's, it's just so obviously absurd <laughs> that <laughs> I think that if you think in that direction, really the only reasonable justifiable thing is to guarantee housing as a human right. Yeah. All right. Uh, I, I hope we've made our case to you. I know we can't tell you what to do, but um, we're speaking from the heart. This is what we actually believe. Yes. Um, I hope that a lot of you feel the same way, and that we will see. We'll see something major occur Monday night. Yeah. Um, it'll be it'll be major no matter what happens. <laughs> yeah. Um, it'll be intense. <laughs> I will either be very happy or yeah. I mean, that's what I'm expecting. I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm going to be very right. happy. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> speak it into existence. Yeah. You, you have <laughs> a secret. You Visualize. Have, <laughs> you have the power to move things in a direction that you want to. And it's up to you whether you make the decision to take that power Focus for yourself. Focus your brain waves. We can do this together. It takes individual power mm-hmm. collectivized. <laughs> it does. Yeah. We can do this we together. We cannot do it alone, though. That's it. All right. I think uh, I'm going to close out with some music. Cooper, you got any closing thoughts before we go? No, I think you just nailed it. All right. Thanks. I appreciate the support. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) I I feel the pressure. This is happening tomorrow and this is like my last chance to talk to as many people as I can. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, I hope we did a good job. (laughs) Yeah. I I hope, I hope we, we made our case as I said uh, before. (laughs) Turned some people's, people's, uh, affiliations (laughs) affiliations <laughs> maybe it could have happened maybe i don't know <laughs> i'm going to close out with a track from the 1987 bernie sanders folk album it's called <laughs> we shall overcome and this is the track it's a cover of the banks of marble um it's a little corny but i think it's actually like pretty uplifting so <laughs> so i hope you enjoy it this is uh, how we're closing the show uh thank you evan for joining me in the Appreciate studio today it. Thank you, Cooper, for calling in. I really appreciate that as <laughs> thank well. Thank you for standing by, our field correspondent. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, thank you again to Jake Jones for joining us earlier in the broadcast. Again, this was Rock Hard Caucus, a crossover episode <laughs> with I Hear I See Radio. If you want to hear about local music, tune in next Sunday at 3, mm-hmm. and I'll be playing music, and I will yep. hopefully be very happy. Yep, and we have a SoundCloud um, for Rock Hard Caucus and all that. We do. So we've, we've produced... We're not uh, hard to find... I believe 18 full episodes I, plus yeah. some extra Bonus, material. Yeah. So if you liked what we had to say today, you could possibly find more of us saying things. Yep. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Here is the banks of marble by performed by Bernie Sanders and 30 Vermont artists. Enjoy. <laughs> <laughs>
made of marble With a guard in every door And the vaults are stuffed with silver That the workers sweated for Throughout most of human history Society has been divided between the few who have enormous wealth and enormous power and the many who struggle each day just to survive. The rich get richer, traveling about in their chauffeured limousines and jet-setting their way around the world to their exotic vacation places. And the poor get poorer. Hundreds of millions of people throughout this planet in Africa, in Asia, in Latin America now face starvation. While millions more in our own country sleep out on the streets. Most of the people in this world work hard their entire lives and end up with very little. Others exploit that labor and end up with millions. But the banks are made of marble with a guard at every door and the folks are stuffed with silver that my I've traveled round this country from shore to shining shore. It really made me wonder the things I heard and saw. I saw the weary farmer a plowing sod and loam. I heard the auction hammer Just a knocking down his home But the banks are made of marble With a guard at every door And the vaults are stuffed with silver That the farmer sweated for I've seen the seamen standing idly by the shore And I've heard their bosses saying Got no work for you no more But the banks are made of the weary miners scrubbing coal dust from his back and I heard his children crying got no coal to heat the shack but the banks are made of marble with a guard at every door 
my brothers working throughout this mighty land. And I prayed we'd get together and together make a stand. But the banks are made of Harlow with a With a guard at every door And we would share those vaults of silver That we have sweated for Was a clear black night, a clear What's black up, this Warren G, you know what I'm saying? I'm here giving it up for Rad because they do a lot of good things for people. Before you drink, make sure that you got somebody that can drive your butt home so you won't crash or get pulled over and get a DUI. So go ahead and follow the route and everything will be cool. And don't be no fools. Peace, baby, Warren G. A public service message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, Rad, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council.